What's up, Z? Going on? Not in the studio today? Nah, nah, not in the studio. Not today. Um, yeah, typically, like, um, when we do our Zooms, because we have to be on, like, you know, separate computers, it it just makes sense for us to, yeah, you know, be, be in separate locations. So, um, yeah, we, we had to do it that way. But next time you're, you're out in D.C., We'll have to get you and Kev <laughs> yeah. studio. Sure. Um, you good though? Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, I figured, well, first of all, what's up, Z? I didn't even say hi. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey. Um, I, I figured we could first just kind of talk about just how we know each other, right? It's kind of a crazy story. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you and Austin kind of like interacted at every phase of your life, right? Because I think we all met at at Worldgate um, through basketball training. I think I was like twelve or thirteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you guys obviously knew each other in high school. You know, you guys are both the, the big men and women on on campus <laughs> out here in Northern Virginia. And then I obviously went to Elon together. So. Um, Figured we could we could start there. Austin, do you remember when you first met Zora? To be honest with you, I, I don't. But I mean, if I was a betting man, it was definitely in a basketball gym, <laughs> um, and it was probably probably at Worldgate. Um, you know, when we were training there and and, and hooping. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it, it was definitely in the gym somewhere. <laughs> um, what do, do you know, Z? I don't remember like a specific time, but I just remember those summers at Worldgate. We would be there all day. Literally, <laughs> Literally all day. I don't even know what we were doing. I mean, obviously we were playing, but still, I mean, all day. Um, we'd take a break for lunch and then get right back at it and wait for yep. somebody to pick us up. Um, you couldn't you couldn't get us out of the gym. And I just, and, you know, I think too, like our crowds just passed through that. It wasn't necessarily like, every day it wasn't necessarily like you know in terms of us like really developing a relationship obviously I would say college but like you said and Marshall brought it up which is so wild like every step of our lives that's crazy which is so wild that kind of freaked me out when you said that dog I'm like yo (laughs) that's wild man that's crazy And I remember just kind of Maria being the little one kind of around. <laughs> That's what I remember about yeah. World Week. <laughs> shout, shout out to Maria, man. I know she's going to appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So Maria's our little sister, for those who don't know. Um, but I remember you and the Coyer twins kind of cooking us a little bit. That, that's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. Because they, um, they, they were just... Shoot. They all shoot. Yeah. Yeah, they could all shoot. Caroline always had crazy handle mm-hmm. and, you know, we would scrimmage. So Worldgate, for those who don't know, is a local um, gym near where we live. And uh, we, we all train under the same two, two guys at the time. And during the summer, we would be there from like nine to three. 
you know, um, and and we would scrimmage like uh, inner. I don't know what the right term is, but um, co-ed, co-ed scrimmage. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a mix, and I'm all I remember is Zora was cash from the corner. <laughs> yes, he was yes. cash from the corner. Yo, that's so true. She did not he miss was, from the corner, dog. He was like, freaking cash from the corner, like PJ Tucker type, like cash from the corner. <laughs> Yeah, man, they they were out there looking like the Nets because um, <laughs> Caroline was definitely Kyrie, you know. Um, For sure, Catherine was uh, it was like a little Harden, you know. But <laughs> nah, it was it was good times, and and she was tall. Dora was definitely taller than us, I think, at that time. Too. I probably, was probably. so tall early. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I just remember you being mad tall, but, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's just crazy. Um, because I remember when Austin told me you were going to Elon, and I'm like, what? Well, I could see that being a good He was actually, he was a big influence because I remember um, at the time I would post like uh, who I was visiting. And she saw that I visited, was visiting Elon and she was like, yo, like I just committed, like you're going to love it. And I'm like, okay, bet. Like, you know, someone that, who I know from the area, you know, checked it out. And um, at the time, I think you committed in the fall. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I went into my senior season already committed. Yep, yep. So um, now that that was huge in, in my decision, honestly. Um, and you know, thank God I made the right decision, and yeah, we continued uh, our relationship in in our college phase. Um, but yeah, it's just it's crazy, man. Literally, Marshall, you I mean you hit it on the head, man. I didn't realize since what eleven, twelve. Yeah, we, we've known each other. Yeah. Um, and it's it's cool to see that our relationship has grown, you know, throughout that time, man. So it's it's definitely a blessing, Z. Yeah, for sure. So so Z, I figured um before we get into some of the topics, you can just kind of introduce yourself, um, you know, what you're doing, where you're at in life. That way the people kind of know um, you know, how you're connected to us and and you know why we wanted to have you on the yeah, so my name's Zora, and I grew up in Northern Virginia, and I went to Oakton High School. Oakton High School. <laughs> um, so we believe in cougars, you know what I'm saying? And uh, went, to, went to Elon. So that's, um, you know, obviously the Northern Virginia connection and played basketball all growing up and then went to Elon University in North Carolina, played basketball there. And then after school, I got into broadcast journalism. And so I started in hard news, started in Greenville, North Carolina, which is where East Carolina University is. And I was at a CBS affiliate there for two years. And then I went to Denver, Colorado, was with a Fox affiliate. And really the first part of my career was like hard news. I always tell people like the worst thing, imagine the worst thing that happens in your city every day. I was running towards that. I was in a Mm -hmm. car going towards that and just keeping people informed on what's happening and amplifying stories of people who wouldn't, you know, otherwise get to share who they are and what's going on in their lives and always had this um, passion to mix my love of basketball, my love of storytelling, storytelling and broadcast journalism. And if anybody knew me in college, like I always had a microphone. If I wasn't doing basketball, like I was on the big screen at the football games or I was calling volleyball games. And when I first graduated, there was just no opportunity to mix sports and journalism. And, um, you know, kind of four years into my career, I got this amazing opportunity to join the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, an NBA team. And so right now I'm their sideline and digital reporter. So basically what that means is 
every NBA team has a regional sports network. So like if you guys are, you know, Wizards fans, it would be NBC, NBC Sports Washington. In right. Milwaukee, it's Fox Sports Wisconsin. And so every single Bucks game is on Fox Sports Wisconsin. And so I'm the sideline reporter during those games and I'll interview coaches, players. I'll do kind of reports throughout the game. And then the other part of my job as the digital reporter for the team is I'm kind of like one of the faces, so to speak, on the social media. So you are the the face. (laughs) So I'll do just interviews with players or executives or just real like what the part that I love is the storytelling aspect. And like, you know, if guys are doing things off the court, that's the chance to amplify it. And we'll also try to get it in on TV. But sometimes there's not enough time in the TV space. And so that's really what the digital space is for. And I'm loving it. I love, love what I do. So really blessed to be here. That's that's super dope. Because um, I feel like a lot of athletes struggle with this post-college, you know, trying to intertwine, like, you know, their, their passions and their love of the sport and find something that, you know, they can do and love, you know, equally um, as a career. And um, it, it's dope that, you know, you, you found something in the game that you grew up, you know, grew up playing and grew up loving. Um, and I think you found something that uh, you're even, like I said, equally passionate about. So that's, that's super dope. Real quick, Marshall, before you, you get in, so yeah, you, talked yeah. about, you talked about your time um, in Denver, right? Yeah. Can you, I don't know if you can, that Netflix show that I forget what it was called. Uh, Making American Murder something like that. Oh yeah. my God. Can yeah. you, you had a, a quick um, cameo in that. Can you, can you just talk about um, that story and like just how crazy that was? Oh my goodness. Um, like, yeah. Nuts. Yeah, no, I'm going to be honest with you all. If there was a, uh, hmm, like a point in my news journey where I was like, yo, I got to figure out how to get to basketball ASAP. Yep. Um, it, it was this and not, I mean, I think mentally, like I, I'm, I'm strong enough to like handle all the, the, the trauma that you're exposed to as a news person. I had kind of gotten used to that, which is awful to say, but this particular scenario, it is not every day that you are actually in the same space with the person who did the crime. Okay. So what I mean by that is look up the Chris Watts case. Um, this is out, out of Frederick, Colorado. And at the time, um, we were getting phone calls to the news station, like, hey, like, and it was from close friends, like, hey, my friend is missing and it's really weird. She's not answering her phone. And this is the type of person apparently that always, Shanann always had her phone on her. Um, and she's just not answering. I just dropped her off at her house the night before. Like, can, you know, we called the police to do a wellness check and nobody knows where she is. So our first inclination is you just kind of go to the house and, um, I was what they call a one-man band or MMJ in Denver a lot of the time. So I would shoot, write, and edit everything on my own, which means I'm going to stories alone. So got in the car, drove to Frederick, Colorado, about an hour away from Denver. And the first task is to knock on the door. Mind you, remember, I'm alone. Um, and I, I did have like the, the friend of the missing person, Shanann, um, who was there, but still like, I don't, I don't know her, um, like that, so to speak, we had just met and, uh, knock on the door of the family's home and a man comes to the front. This is Shanann's husband, Christopher Watts. He, 
you know, is actually really personal, invites me into the home. Like I'm in the living room. He shuts the front door. We're chatting it up. Um, I'm setting up my camera. We're just having casual conversation. And you have to remember, like, I mean, people always ask me, like, Zora, how was he acting? Did anything seem off? And it's like, my inclination is, you know, it. how am I supposed to judge somebody that can't find their family? Like, right. who am I right. to jump to conclusions on somebody that supposedly doesn't know where their wife and children are? Like, my goodness, right? So, no, I mean, that was kind of the furthest thing from my mind that maybe he did this. Um, and, yeah, like, again, we're news people, so you, you're always thinking. But, I mean, I, I treated him with compassion. And um, we had conversations. We exchanged numbers, everything. And then uh, we're about to start the interview. And the police knock on the door and the dogs, they wanted the dogs to sniff the home. And so when dogs are sniffing the home, you can't have anybody else's sense in there. And so they asked us all to get out, which like, you know, um, I'm so glad that happened. We ended up doing the interview outside. And obviously there's like a big police presence. Anyways, like what, 24 hours later, I go back to the home, knock on the door, no answer. He's not there that night. So the next night I get home and there's an alert that this man has confessed. He's been arrested. Come to find out he killed his pregnant wife and their two young children. I mean, just awful, yeah. awful stuff. Um, and yeah, like selfishly to think that I was in this man's house being, you know, just completely normal with him. I think we even exchanged like texts right after, uh, is, is wild. So, um, and then wait, let, this is, this is the part. Um, and I don't even know if I've shared this, but it's like, you know, you get back to the newsroom, like your office, so to speak. And, you know, nobody asks like, Hey, Zora, like, how are you like processing? It's like, wow, like awesome job getting that interview. Yeah. That's when I was just like, what are, you know, and I love storytelling and I, and I think, um, local news is so important. Yep. Don't like I, I what local journalists do is is so important. And I wouldn't knock like me ever going back to that space. But in that moment, I just like could not. And that morning I said, hey, can I have somebody come with me? Because like this feels a little bit, you know, more. And they were like, no, you have to be alone. And it just was the it was just a series of things. And I was like, yeah, it's time. Um, and so uh, I'm so glad that I'm, you know, in this space where, and you know, it's crazy. Cause I, I, I switched to basketball at a time when it's not just about basketball right now. Right. And I, uh, I think I'm here in this space for a reason at this moment, because I still get to tell those important stories that are, you know, that matter more than the ball going in the hoop, if you ask me, but then I, you know, obviously get to have fun with one of the best teams in the NBA. Absolutely. Marshall, I don't know if you wanted to. No, I mean that, that, story is just insane. Um, and I think this kind of ties into you know, what I wanted you to talk about real quick. And that was your, your Oakton high school career. So for those who don't know, um, Oakton high school basically tried to carbon copy Herndon high school. Literally. What? <laughs> uh, the school looks exactly the same as Herndon. Oh, okay. Yeah. From that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were the original. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> Oakton girls basketball. Um, I'll say this and, you know, it, it pains me to say, but they're like the Yukon of Northern Virginia uh, women's, you know, basketball. Right. Um, and I, I know your coach is uh, he, he's a, you know, he's a tough dude. You know, he, he, he handles things. Um, 
at a, at a high standard, right? So mm-hmm. how do you feel like playing in that program prepared you mentally for some of the things you're doing in life today? Mm. You know, it's so interesting because often people ask me, you know, like how college prepared you. And so I, I really appreciate this question. Um, I think like one, just getting coached early. And what I mean by that is at a young age, especially when you are like halfway decent at basketball and one of the better players, you tend to be able to kind of do whatever you want, right? Like right. you are the person, right? It's it's your team. And at Oakton, everybody is held accountable. And when you go to Oakton, like there's multiple stars. Like I think my, like on the team, one of the teams that I was on my senior year, five of us. Yeah, five of us, the starting five, all went D1. That's crazy. So just imagine, there is no like, yeah, like you can't just act however you want to act. It's accountability. And so that's what I appreciated about uh, Coach Priester and understanding a system. And I think, you know, you could have conversations about was it too systematic? But for me, and especially the way all of our games were, I mean, we were shooters. And so with our skill set, you kind of needed a system. It wasn't like... To be honest, I mean, I think Caroline was the only one that would really like break anyone down, right? So all the rest of us needed some sort of <laughs> continuity to get right. our shots off or else, you know, people would just guard us. And so um, just understanding the game of basketball. I mean, we were watching film in high school. He was so detail oriented. Um, and just, I would say accountability, managing your egos, right? Like, I'm not gonna let like, you know, um, the Coyers were kind of like it, right? And so I had to, and I didn't do the best job of it now, looking back like 10 years later, but like of accepting that um, and still realizing that like everybody had a role and all those kinds of things. And then gelling it off the court, right? You had so many different personalities. Right. Um, and then you add in that we all go to the same high school and we're all around like the same people. So like high school drama, like shout out to <laughs> Coach Bruce, uh, Like high school girls. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like... So shout out to Coach Priester for managing all of that because we would bring like the boy drama onto the court at practice, right? And so like <laughs> there'd be like days like I'm not passing to her. Right. <laughs> like, like this is real stuff. So um just going through all of that, I just think prepared me um for college. The only thing, like the one thing uh I wish, like I was not prepared for conditioning. Cause we didn't really run. That's the one thing. Like if I have about the Oakland girls basketball team, like we don't condition. Um, I I remember that. I started to cut you off, but I do remember in college, like, you know, um, just hearing from Kev and and you sometimes like, yo, it's conditioning, man. Uh, It's not it. I do remember that. (laughs) Conditioning was like not my thing. And that's because I just never did that in high school. That Mm -hmm. was never like, we were always focusing on skill work. Um, the appreciation of the shot and developing the shot was all coach Priester. Um, so yeah, I, I, I give, you know, that coach a lot of credit. And then he was a counselor. So when he was like not coaching, like, you know, his day job, so to speak was to be a counselor and he just helped so many of us. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that either. We would just sit in his office for hours and just, I mean, we talk ball, but mostly just about life. Um, and so he helped just a lot of us come into our own. So I appreciate him for a lot. Yeah. No, that's dope because I don't, you know, obviously he's a legend in this area, but mm-hmm. I personally haven't really, you know, heard stories about him or, or known about him as a coach. Um, so, yeah, it's I mean, it's no surprise that he's very detail oriented because 
I mean, I don't know how many championships the guy has, but um, I know it's a lot. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? If not, he will be at some point. Yeah, I, I, I would hope he's in some Hall of Fame. Yeah. But, I, you know, I got to look that up. He should be, if not, you know, on his way. I mean, he's like just – you talk about legend. Fred Priester um, yeah. is a legend for sure. How many – so how many championships did you get at Oakton? Did you win all? Did you win the district all four years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we won the district. I don't know. We do we? I don't think we ever won regionals. Maybe once, because you know you only have to be the top two to go to states. Go to state. Right. Um, maybe we won regionals once, and then we went to states either once or twice. Yeah, twice, twice. Because once we lost to Princess Anne, and once we lost to um, Lake Taylor. So yeah. So never. I never won states, um, but like, yeah, winning like the district was like always a thing. That oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was district. That was a fail. <laughs> if y'all didn't win the district, yeah. And then regionals, it got a little dicey, but we would usually always make it to either like the semifinals or the finals. And then states, when I was there, was always it was Princess Anne and Lake Taylor. Right. And that's yeah. when you get to like, you know, Hampton Roads area. They were just, yeah, they would. Yo, we weren't ready. We weren't yeah, ready. yeah, yeah, yeah. We got yeah. these, no, you know, yeah, yeah. No, no, disrespect, no disrespect to Oakton, but you know what I'm saying? The, the demographics was was a little different. A little get different. Down to, the, to the Tidewater, you know, it's uh, it, it could be a little intimidating. For yeah, sure. we just, yeah, we weren't used to that. So yeah, that, that, that system, that it wasn't going to work. <laughs> you you had to you had to have like you had to have just straight like grit and and just yes just hoopers right right you needed right. people who you can give the ball to and say all right yes we're gonna give you a bucket and that was you know what I mean and, yes. and uh, yeah yeah but I mean at the end of the day very very successful career you know mm-hmm. at Oakton um, personally and as a team so. Can't really ask for much more than that. Obviously, you know, I'm sure you would have wanted to win a state championship, but, um, but like you said, it, it helped, it's helped prepare you in ways. Um, and and speaking of that, you know, when did you identify that you really wanted to be in sports journalism? Because I feel like every, I think everyone who plays a sport says they want to be involved with sports after the fact, right? But very few actually do, right? So. Um, when did you identify that goal and kind of what has been your, what was your mindset when it came to like, this is it. Like, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. I mean, I was growing up, like, you know, when you're like, you know, elementary school, middle school and people, what do you want to be? I always wanted to be a teacher and it shifted my senior year in high school. They started a broadcast journalism elective uh, and I took it and there was like a news show that we did and I, you know, auditioned and I got to be the anchor and I just like, the adrenaline, it, I never found something that made me feel like I was on the basketball court. And when wow. I was on camera, I huh. felt like that. Wow. That wow. Rush. Um, That's rare, and, too. Because there's yeah. nothing like it, you know. There's nothing, there's like, nothing that. like it. And, and, and it's hard to compare. But just like when I'm on television, I get that like that uh, adrenaline and that rush to like have to be perfect and have to just perform. Right. Like you practice all you want. But once game time comes, you just got to lock in and perform. And that's kind of how television is for me. And so uh, 
at first it was all about just like being on TV and I never, you know, I always liked doing public speaking and the group projects. I was like, Ooh, I'll present, I'll present. And so it would just seem like a natural thing. And obviously, you know, I played on the basketball team. So people like, Oh, you know, she could do like sports television. So I get to college and that's, from the start, I always, I told everybody like, Hey, I want to be like a sports broadcast journalist. And so I did everything I could in college. But when you say like, I really like committed to it, I think it was, I mean, I've always, I'm always this person that has goals and always, you know, moving towards something. But when I really like, was like, okay, it is time. It was after that Christopher Watts case. I was like, Zora, like Mm -hmm. recommit yourself to this task and like really hone in on like sports broadcasting. I think I was like really broad and um, just storytelling as a whole. And I think I still am because that's so important to me. Um, But I really wanted to get back, get get back to sports. And um, it's wild because I know we'll get into my, my husband in a minute, but like, this is like a team thing. I mean, my husband now knows all of like the TV terms. I taught him how to use a camera. He shot interviews for me. Like the job wow. I have, right, the job I have right now on my reel is some stuff that Kevin shot. We used to do <laughs> things because wow. I, needed, I had all this news experience, but like when you're trying to get into sports, people want to know you can talk about sports. So we would go to college games in Colorado and we would just show up and cover them. Um, and he would shoot all the interviews. I interviewed Sylvia Hatchell. While we were in Colorado, Kevin shot that interview. We just kind of like, yo, gangbusters coming up, just like act like, you know, Um, so this is a team thing. And so when I really said, hey, like it's time, um, Kevin was like, let's do this. So, yeah, that's I I think like your your why uh, continues to change. Right. Right. Like in the beginning, I really just like television. And now, like, I'm so passionate about stories. Like, I don't even it doesn't even matter if you see me. It's just like, how do we amplify the stories of the people we're talking to? That's that's huge for two reasons. One, um, Kev, who, for those of you who don't know, um, Kevin Blake um, is one of my best friends who I ended up you know, meeting in college. We played together um, and also happened to marry uh, Zora. Um, so that was that was so cool for me to just like have my best friend from college, you know, marry a good friend from back home. Um, so that was just super unique for me. Um, and then the second thing, um, can you can you talk about like um, what you did to transition from, you know, your your news reporting job um, to, to sports? Because I'm sure there's reporters out there who might want to do the same thing. Um, can you talk about that process and, you know, give some advice on you know, where to start, you know, if they don't know where to start? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the TV world, your reel is everything. So what I mean by reel is like clips put together of your best work. So when you interview for a job or even when you're networking, like people are not saying, hey, can I see your resume? They're like, hey, can I see your reel? So you want to make sure you kind of continue to update that as you go along. And if you're trying to switch from like news to sports, you obviously have to have some sort of sports reel. And so it's hard to, you know, when you're covering new general news events every day, like where are you going to get that sports experience? Sometimes you just, and I, I don't normally push this, but sometimes it's appropriate. Um, to, you have to do things for free. You have to just show up places, act like, you know, interview people and put stories together that aren't necessarily for work, 
but they're for your work, your own personal work and your own personal journey so that you can kind of make up this sports reel. And then um, networking, networking, networking. I mean, if you ever meet somebody or even you don't even have to meet people nowadays, it's like, hey, you see somebody you want to connect with, reach out to them. Like whether it's email or LinkedIn or even a DM, like sometimes, you know, Instagram and Twitter is more accessible than LinkedIn. Sometimes these people are checking, you know, those messaging platforms more than they're checking their email or LinkedIn. So just reach out to people and, you know, people are open to giving information. So reach out to people before you need something. And I think that goes like in any industry, right? Ask people just to tell you about what they do rather than tell you like what they can do for you. Because then when the time comes, you probably won't even have to ask them to do anything. They'll hear about something and let you know about it. But everything is so word of mouth. I've had three jobs uh, since I graduated college and uh, I haven't like formally applied to any of them. And the only reason I say that is because it's all about just who you know. And it's so it's timing too. everything is timing. Um, But just, you know, widening that net uh, is, is so important. So the real and your network are the two places to start. That's huge. That's huge. And same for me, Z, like any opportunity or job that I've, you know, gotten, I didn't like, I didn't apply like in the sports world, you know, teamwork online is where everybody applies to for jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what, I didn't even know what that was when I got into the job. Um, so it's just, it's so important to, to ex- expand your network. Um, but I stress this all the time, man, just like, character just high character always wins yes you know because people people want to work with good people you Mm -hmm. know especially um when it comes to the job where you're gonna be interacting with that person you know probably more than your family Mm -hmm. you know so character is is so literally yeah it's it's so important um so i'm i'm glad you touched on that too yeah see there was two two things i wanted to go back to when you talked about um Kind of when you identified your goal and, and how it came together. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, you know, you actually set a goal. And I think that was important because sometimes God can like shake up things to remind you, you know, where you said you wanted to go. Yes. Right? And, oh, yes. And I and you weren't in a bad place. And that's and that's the point I want to make. You were in a good situation. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't necessarily what what you felt like your purpose was or where you wanted to go at this, in this point in your life. And, you know, it, it didn't happen probably the way you, you would have wanted it to. And, and as far as like having to deal with that situation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think it was a, a powerful message because, you know, a lot of times we can, we can get in this state of comfortability and feel like, you know what, I know I wanted to do this thing, but where I'm at isn't, isn't so bad. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes God can, allow things to happen, you know, or the universe, karma, whatever you believe in. Um, and then the other thing is something that Austin and I talked about, and we're, we're going to talk more about it probably in the next few episodes, but um, what is it like to either date or be in a relationship when someone is, is very ambitious or has a certain goal that they're, they're going after. Right. And I feel like these days um, that's something that a lot of, relationships struggle with right either one person i'm not going to say is more ambitious but maybe they're more passionate about their field than their partner or both you guys are right so how do you put those two things together and the way you described how kevin had your back and said look um 
and I know, and I know Kevin. He, he's a behind the scenes kind of guy. He, you know, he's real laid back. I was gonna he's say so him chill. him being behind the camera is like that's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like, that's 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 and it, and it goes back to even the the system, right? With with Oakton, like you guys have a system, you know, now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 at the time it was, you know, what Kevin, you're gonna be behind the scenes while we just go around and and you you know film me. So I think for people who are in relationships where um, there may be some friction because either one of you or both of you is trying to go after this thing or, you know, um, you know, the, the, the timing of how you guys do your jobs may not align so that you can spend as much time together. You know, there's always going to be sacrifices. Yeah. Um, so I did want to bring that up because I, I thought it was powerful to, to let people know, like, Hey, they, they figured it out and they're still figuring it out. Right. I, I do think, um, you know, asking Kevin about this perspective, because, right, I'm the one that's like pushing and going. And he's really the one that you talk about sacrifice and adjusting. It's Kevin. Like, I mean, we've lived in three different cities in five years. And um, that means he's got to like switch jobs and figure it out. We moved to cities where he's quit a job and we're moving there and he doesn't have a job. Right. All like for me, because I have this like goal. Right. And that's not easy to do. Um, and I, we talk about this all the time and, um, it pains me to be this honest, but like, I always say like, Kevin, if roles were reversed, like, I know that I probably wouldn't be able to handle it the same way. And so I just give so much credit to him. Um, and I want to continue on this, but I do want to go back to the goals and Marshall, like you hit me so hard with, um, you know, you never know, like God is putting you in certain positions, almost like realign you. And what's so interesting is I do believe that goals like can change, right? Like in the, in the beginning, I was all about like sports broadcasting, specifically sports. And then I was put in this new space and I really came to enjoy it and, and love it. And so my goals had shifted and you say like, I wasn't a bad place. I mean, Denver, Colorado as a TV market, people go there and don't leave. Like it's a goal for a lot of people. Right. And, um, I really enjoyed my time there. My goals had shifted a little bit. I was like, mm, do I, you know, I'm in this new space and I'm like, you know, you know, making good momentum. Do I just can, like have my goals be more centered around news? And then this event happens and it like gets me right back on the like, sorry, but remember like sports, you really, really wanted to talk basketball. And then, you know, the Bucks opportunity kind of really popped up out of nowhere. I mean, we had just bought a house in Denver. Like we really loved it there. Um, and then out of nowhere, Milwaukee pops up and it was like, shoot, we got to go. Um, and this is actually the perfect segue to go back into relationships. We were kind of at a crossroad. I mean, we literally had just bought a house and then the bucks, it was like a two week thing. Like, Hey, can you be here in two weeks? And we're like, what do we do? And Kevin had like a good job there. And, um, in the beginning stages of us figuring out what to do, Kevin was going to originally stay in Denver. Um, and I was just going to come to Milwaukee by myself and we're like, you know, packing me up and, you know, like half of me was like, Zora, you can do it. You got this. Like you can, you can, you can be good on your own. And we got like, maybe like a week and a half out and I caved. I was like, Kevin, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go by myself. And he was like, yeah, like, I didn't know if it was gonna, if it was gonna. <laughs> and, uh, that next day he went into his job and he was just like, hey, my wife got a new job. Like, I'm going to Milwaukee. Um, and just, like just, right. <laughs> um, 
Like there's just so many. No, no one Kev, like that, that, that wouldn't phase Kev. Like him going to, he like, yo, I'm out. That's literally what it was. Yes. Like, yes. Like, yes. I got to do what I got to do. And then um, keep, keep moving with it. And he, the first, so I came to Milwaukee like a week ahead of him. He like finished packing up the house and, you know, kind of tying up loose ends. He got on a plane to come move to a city that he's never even been to. He's never been here before. He had no idea. Like I picked out like the apartment where we're going to live. We lived in a hotel for like a month. He got on a plane, one way ticket to a place that he'd never even been to before. Wow. I mean, so I have stories for days on, on Kevin Blake. And you know, it's interesting. Like you bring up like kind of somebody like more ambitious than the other. I just think I'm more public than him. Because yeah, exactly. That's why I, I kind of made saying? the caveat that it, it, not necessarily more ambitious, but, you know, it, it's either more public or um, uh, it's in a way that is more, you know, out there to this society. Cool. Right. But I know okay. Kevin is sharp and Kevin has goals. So. Oh, I mean, case in point, that job that he went into quit. They said, wait, wait, can you just work for Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Nobody at that place works from home. And then, again, this is pre COVID and they liked Kevin Blake enough to say, Hey, like we want to keep you on. You can work from home in Milwaukee. That's big so, I mean, he's, and you talk and awesome. You go back to character. I mean, obviously he does good work, but I really think that's like just, you know, big part of who he is because he's just that kind of guy that you want to keep around. Um, just a really good man. So absolutely. Hey guys, thanks for clocking in with us and making it this far into the episode. We want to continue these episodes for as long as possible, but we might need your help. If you click on the description on each episode, you'll find a link that reads support this podcast. If you enjoy keeping up with us, click on that link and you can make a monthly donation. All right, you guys hear enough of me talking anyways, so let's get back into the episode. Um, And then... For me, you know, on the basketball side, um, I, I've played with, you know, some some high character guys and, and good te- teammates. But Kev, man, he he was a different different beast, man. Literally a beast. If any of you guys have <laughs> um, seen Kevin and his, his stature, um, the guy could literally eat a cow and would still be a, a Greek goddess or god, not goddess. Um, but yeah, man, like Kevin, I've seen him battle through like so much pain and, and still play at a high level, still no complaints, um, still a great teammate. Um, so yeah, man, he, he's a special dude. So like none of this surprises me when when you tell me about his sacrifices and um, you know, what what he's done for you in, in your marriage. Um he's a warrior, man, and he'll he'll, he'll always be. Honestly, yeah, I was about to say I've never heard him complain, you know, not not one time. And um, something that's interesting is, you know, we're in a different time. It's 2021. Um, and you typically, you know, I guess I'm not going to say typically, but historically, you know, the woman is the one who's kind of following the man's career mm-hmm. path. Right. So I, I have even more respect for Kevin because he's secure enough of himself to not feel like he has to, you know, be that guy. Right. Um, 
and it's worked for you guys. And then the reason I, that I know it was the right move was because his company said, you know what, man, work from home. That was confirmation, right? We were like, wow, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Like we, yeah. Wow. Like that was confirmation for sure for it to align like that. Let me know if you guys want to talk to the man himself. Um, Cause he's. Now nah, we're going, we're going to bring him in. Okay. Yeah, we'll bring him in. Yeah, we'll have him in. Uh, nah, y'all got, y'all got to move to somewhere warm though. <laughs> y'all, been going, y'all been going to the Denver, Milwaukee. Kevin's from Canada. You know, yeah. you, you give the man it. a break, Zora. I know, you know. I know. Give the man some some sunshine. <laughs> it's like snowing as we speak. Um, it's snowing yeah. here too, actually. Yeah, yeah, it did snow here, but uh, now I'm joking. Um, I, I did want to talk about your experience as. A, a sports reporter now. Um, what have been some of the highlights that you've had as, as a sports reporter? Ooh, and you know, it's interesting because we're talking just a year, right? Um, I'm a year it's, in. It's only been a year, Z? Yeah, I mean, I started here last September. So I guess, you know, a year and some change. Um, That's crazy. Right, wild. But in that time, I've had so many amazing experiences. I think like if we're talking just cool, uh, is when the team went to Paris last mm-hmm. year. So before COVID, um, I traveled with the team. So the same way they travel everywhere they stay, that's where I would stay too. So just um, experiencing all of that and just think of how like an NBA team would go to Paris, right? Like just, you know, out of this world. Um, so like from just like the plane to the itinerary to the game itself, like we were in Paris at this arena over like, I think it was like an arena with like 50,000 people. And it was like all Bucks fans in Paris. That's crazy. A big part of that is, you know, the superstar on the team, Giannis Antetokounmpo is from Greece. So, you know, you have the European connection, but so just so many, just taking in all that basketball can do and where it can take you. And I know all of us have different stories of that, but I was, you know, on that court in Paris and I was like, wow, I'm really like in Paris with a microphone, talking to Giannis. Okay, great. This is happening. Um, so I just, um, and, and I was working, you know, like this was part of my job. Like I got paid to do this. So I grateful, but just also some really, really cool experiences. Um, two also understanding the game in a different way is something that I've really enjoyed in this last year. Like, I mean, you know, we've been around different coaches and picked up on different things, but just like the similarities between the NBA and like, you know, collegiate or even like youth basketball and how they do things, but also some of the things that like I was taught not to do that they do, you know, it's just very, yeah. it's very interesting to compare those things. Um, and then another thing that stands out to me is last December, the team went to a prison um, one night. And when I say the team, like over half of them, including like Giannis, George Hill, Giannis's brother, Kyle Corver, all went to this prison and they sat in like a, a circle, a round table. And it was, combined with people that were incarcerated. And so it'd be like a player, somebody that's incarcerated, a player. And they were just in this circle, just telling their stories for like two hours. I mean, like there was tears, people were opening up. Um, Even some of the players, you didn't know some of their backgrounds and they were opening up. And then after everybody got done, like crying, they went and played a basketball game. And so all of like the people that are incarcerated got Giannis's shoes. So the players were coaches and the Bucks coaches played with the people that were incarcerated. So they mixed up on all these teams and the Bucks head coaches in there. And it was just so awesome. The Bucks brought the mascot 
and like all the people that jump off the trampolines. Right. Um, and they had some of the inmates in the stands and like, just imagine like a really rowdy high school game, that atmosphere. And imagine what it meant to those men in that moment, regardless mm-hmm. of like what they've done. Um, in that moment, they brought like the Bucks arena into this prison. And just think about like how big that for a NBA organization to think that's worthwhile. I mean, um, so I, I mean, aside from any game um, that stands out. And then obviously when the team decided not to play um, in August. So there's just been so many moments with this group where I've learned so much and I'm just so proud to be associated with them. Yeah. You came probably in, just an amazing time, you know, like you said, going to Paris and, um, you know, the, the bucks going to the, to the jail. Um, you know, that's, that's just stuff that like, you know, you, you just can't, you can't make up. Um, and that's, that's what I love about sports, man. Like you, you just, you can touch so many lives just literally from a basketball um, and I, I just, I love what the NBA is doing and, you know, letting these players, um, express themselves and show who they are as people, because the, the average fan, you know, doesn't really understand like, yo, these are people too. Mm-hmm. Like they have the same struggles that we have as people. Um, and that's probably the, the dopest thing, you know, about sports and about what you do as a, as a reporter, you can tell these stories about, you know, Giannis, the, the father, you know, the, the brother. Um, yeah, it's just, it's super special. And, um, you know, I love the, the horse uh, <laughs> that you guys did. That was um, fun. What's your record in, in that? So I'm two and two. So okay, okay. I beat Dante DiVincenzo yep. and I beat Eric Bledsoe last season lost real bad to Chris Middleton. I mean, that guy does not miss. I mean, yeah, he's you, know, I went in, you know, like shooting is what I do. So I'm like, oh, you know, and that guy just like effortlessly. And then George Hill, we battled for a minute, um, okay. but he ultimately came out on top. So, but those are definitely fun. And you get to know <laughs> the guys too, a little bit more of just, you know, how they're normal. We're just shooting hoops, chatting it oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Although Kevin will get on me, he's like, Zora, like, you realize you're playing against NBA players. Like, why are you going in there thinking you can actually win? I'm like, yeah, because this is what I do. Like, that that, that yeah. priestor confidence, that Oakton confidence. Right. There's that one Oakton thing confidence. I do it too. <laughs> um, now, I was going to say, it's clear that not only are you in the right role, but you're in the right organization, right? And I think you can be in the right role, but culturally, you may not fit mm-hmm. in, in that organization. That actually happened to me in my last job. Um, I had to leave. I'm, I'm in a be- way better situation. Um, so I think that's the beauty of where you are today, because, you know, Milwaukee's a pretty humble, you know, blue collar, hardworking city. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that the organization is run, it, it seems like that's kind of permeated into into the, the Bucks and uh, whether, you know, it's the, the coaching staff, the players. I mean, Giannis is a global superstar, but he's probably the most low key off the, you know, off the court. Um, you know, they don't, they don't have even like guys like Drew Holiday, right? Like he's, it's he's a just a chill dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I hate, I hate Kev for that, man. He used to kill me. He used to kill me in NBA 2K with Drew Holiday. No disrespect to Drew. Um, Cause you know, he's tough, but 
he used to disrespect me with your holiday dog. And he used to say it's a holiday to me and I used to get pissed. I had to, <laughs> I had to bring that up. Oh, that's hilarious. So I, I did want to ask, where are some of the challenges that you have to deal with being a woman in this industry and, and a black woman? Because, um, you know, you're around men all the time, you know, so and it, and it may not even be that type of challenge. I'm just throwing something out there. But yeah, talk, talk about some of the challenges that you have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times people like, you know, ask about the challenges and I don't necessarily know the challenges that men have. Does that make sense? So I can't right. all I can speak to is from a black woman's perspective. I know that I feel like I have to be perfect all the time. Like my room for error is very small. Yes. It, you know, and, um, and that's just how I feel. Um, and it, I feel again, this is all I feel. It takes longer to, you know, earn respect. Um, you know, whereas, you know, somebody else could come in and it's like, Oh, this is the person we hired. Oh, great. Da, 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 da. Whereas like, I feel like I'm constantly, you know, proving myself. But then I also think, um, some of that can be, you know, countered with just confidence and knowing that you deserve to be there, knowing that you earned it and knowing that your work just kind of speaks for itself. And so that's how I've kind of attacked it. I also think just Zora in general, I'm always like my, I'm my biggest critic. And so if I'm upset about something or my delivery or whatever, it's usually coming from me rather than somebody else. So I think I'm kind of like, you know, in, in terms of the challenges, I feel like I would have those regardless of what I look like or, you know, male, female, just because in my inner being, I'm always so hard on myself. Um, but yeah, it's just that chasing perfection and that room for error. I think that is the biggest challenge. You can't have an off day or at least I feel like I can't have an off day. On camera, I mean, you, yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. Literally you, know, can't. you literally have no room for error. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you will be on these days, especially you will be on social media like that. <laughs> yes. You'll be on Daquan's page. <laughs> who is Daquan? What is, what is I don't Daquan know who Daquan like? I need to figure out who da- what Daquan looks like uh, <laughs> and where he finds all these videos. Fool is hilarious. But, you 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 know, my point is you, you'll be on Shackton or something. So, yes. You can't mess up. And it's it's wild, though, because it could be like a Wednesday game against whatever team. And you think like, ah, oh, nobody's going to see that one. Right. 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 And uh, yeah, it'll end up somewhere. So have, have you, have you had any like embarrassing moments? Uh, no, up to oh, this point, yeah. but I'm sure we all have our moment. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Knock yeah, on wood. Yeah. It's not, it's not right? coming up. It's not oh, coming up anytime. And it happens too. I mean, it's not easy to like, just see the light come on and just, have to perform and you have so many different things going around you. I don't think people realize like we've got people talking in our ears. Right. And you've got to also have an eye on what's actually happening on the court and just be aware of your surroundings. So it's a lot happening at once. Um, There's definitely an art to being able to deliver on television. Yeah. You know what? That brings me to my next question. So clock in is our message, right? Mm. And the theme is really about putting in the time um, and focus to be great at whatever you want to be great at. But as well as, um, you know, just being a well-rounded person, right? Not just being, a, you know, clocking in, in in your job, but also, you know, your relationship, in your you know church, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about a day 
in the life as a reporter because we only see you on camera, right? We don't know all the stuff that happens, you know, pre-game and post-game. So mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to kind of hear. But what is it actually like, you know, on game day and even on days where, where there is no game? Yeah, you are constantly clocking in. And even as a reporter in, in any field, any topic, you have to always be up to speed with what's happening. And so the news doesn't take a break, which means you can't take any breaks. So the first part of it is just always being like locked into what's happening. And a lot of that information for me comes through my cell phone. So like I have alerts for every single player, every single organization, um, even like executives, just so sometimes the news comes from these people themselves, right? They just need something, click of a finger and it's, it's news. So just staying up to speed that way. You're always just talking to people and just getting, a, especially now, since I'm not traveling, I've just got to kind of keep an eye on like what's really happening, what's going on. So you're just always like getting information to you. And then a lot of it is research too, and going to find the information. Um, after we get off this call, like I'm going to log. So logging basically means like transcribe all the interviews from the previous game, because to me, sometimes a lot of the stories come from when I can see what the player said in words rather than just listening. I'm like, Oh, he said that. Like um, maybe I need to ask a follow-up about that. Right. So I log everything, every interview that a player on the Milwaukee Bucks has done in the last like year and a half. I have it like on my computer, just ready to go. And I can like, you know, kind of go to it and um, kind of reference it in any report. And that's really great. It helps in the game because sometimes you have these stories in the game ready to go, but like, if it doesn't fit the game, you know, like I have this story about Bobby Portos, he's a reserve for the bucks and he does this like two guns up when he makes a big play. And I've been like, I have the background on why he does that. And he hasn't done that in like two games. So I can't just do that report and he doesn't do, you know what I'm saying? So I got to have other things ready to go. So I'm just constantly coming up with stories or if I see something, I'm like, oh, that's a story. I'll write it down in my notes. So it's just a constant evolution. And then on game days, um, my process is, okay. we have our meeting in the morning, our production meeting. They ask me, hey, what stories do you have? I've got to have a story for our pregame show. I've got to have a story to start the broadcast. I've got to have a story that's set for the first quarter and then like what we call floaters, like for every other quarter that maybe a story could flow another quarter. I've got to just know what assistant I'm interviewing assistant coach at halftime. If the team is up, I'm interviewing a player at halftime. And then if they win, I'm interviewing a player at the end of the game. So I just have to be mindful of all those things. Um, And then I prepare all my information. I send all my information to the producers, the team has shoot around after shoot around. I interview a player, which means after that interview, some of your stories could change because based on what the player says, Oh, now the story is this instead of that. Then um, I read, like, just make sure I didn't miss anything news-wise. I'm reading all my notes, da-da-da-da. Then I give myself, like, a minute to decompress. And then uh, it is a visual medium, so it takes me a while to get ready. That's, like, a whole thing. That's part of the job. Getting ready, what are you going to wear, da-da-da-da, the whole nine. And then you go to the arena. uh, Coaches do their pregame press conference. Again, stories could change based on what they say there. Is somebody you thought was playing, not playing, blah, blah, blah. Then you get prepared to go on television. So we have a pregame show a half an hour before the game. Sometimes it's one hit in that. Sometimes it's two hits. And when I say a hit, it's like you're on TV talking. So it's just like, it's a lot of things happening. And maybe you see me for 30 seconds, but like behind that one 30 seconds is like at least an hour. You know what I'm saying? Um, So it's wild. um, And it's just constantly changing. And then too, I think people don't realize sometimes you don't know who you're going to interview. 
So say like it's the end of the game and you thought you're going to get Chris Middleton, but instead Brooke Lopez walks up. Cause especially now I can't go actually physically go get the guys, yep. somebody else, um, the public relations um, professionals down there. And so again, there's so many different things happening. Did somebody walk off the court faster and you couldn't. So I could have had like all my questions prepared for Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez walks up. I have literally like two seconds to switch my mind to Brooke Lopez and I don't think people realize the questions that I was going to ask Chris Middleton are completely different than the questions yeah. I asked Brooke Lopez. At least if you're a good reporter, they should be different, right? right. Um, so a lot of things happening, but it's that fast pace. Like, I love it. That's where somebody told me, like, if you don't feel something, then maybe it's time to, like, rethink because mm-hmm. there's so much adrenaline. You should always be feeling something. And it gives me, we talked a little bit ago, it just, it gives me that parallel to how I felt. Yeah. Um, playing, you know, I can't necessarily, you know, get back playing at that level. That time is, you know, kind of come and gone, but this is, this is what kind of keeps me afloat. Yeah. I mean, that's the clock is, is, is it's always on. Yeah. Yeah. Short yeah form like, of that. It's always on. <laughs> that's clock. That's clocking in, man, to, to its finest. Yeah. Um, that's wow. I, I didn't, and you know, I work in sports, um, so, but I've never had a chance to like talk to our reporters, but yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. And you have to watch the game. Like, and yes. right. like you have that. to watch the game. Watch the game. And process, um, you know, what's happening. And like you said, figure out the, the, the appropriate questions. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah, you got that. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and that was just like professional life clock in, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, go ahead, Okay. No, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just had one one question. Um, one thing I've I've observed, you know, through your social media, um, you have relationship with some of the like legends um, in the you know in the reporting space, like Doris Burke, who happens to be like I love Doris Burke. Like, He's the best. There's man. one person who like I would love to just sit down to and just talk hoops. Mm. It's Doris Burke. Um, Ross too, who, you know, used to work for the, for the Warriors. Yeah. Um, can you talk about, you know, some of those people that, you know, may have mentored you and, um, just kind of had a, a big impact on your career? Yeah. Roz has, has been amazing. And we were actually connected. Well, okay. So let's go back a little bit. I grew up like loving Stanford. So she mm. played basketball at Stanford. Stanford was like, you know, kids grow up and they want to go to like, Carolina or Duke, mm-hmm. like, whatever reason, I think it was this whole system shooting thing. Cause that's what <laughs> they did there. But yeah, I love, I love Stanford. That was like my dream, dream school. Um, and anyway, she played for Stanford. So I had always followed her career. And then, you know, once I got into the broadcasting space, I followed her throughout there and we got connected. Uh, one of my mentors is LaChina Robinson, who is a commentator in the women's basketball space. Another, she, another like, legend. Yeah. She's so amazing. And she, she has helped me so much. I actually was part of her program that kind of like helped me get more reps. So I would go to Atlanta and she had connections where we could like, you know, get reps at dream Atlanta dream games, WNBA or Hawks games. Um, and she's been so helpful. And is, when is I that, got, sorry to cut you, is that when you did the interview with Quinn? Yes. Yes. Through the China Robinson. Yes. Um, and that was right in that process of mm-hmm. just like getting as many reps as possible. Um, and she, when I got the sideline job, she was like, hey, you need to connect with Roz on a deeper level just because she did the sideline, the exact same job for the Golden State Warriors. Yep. So Roz has been so great. Just anytime, so, like sometimes there's situations that come up and you're like, hey, how do I handle this? Or, you know, 
what should I do? And she's always just like a text or call away. Carrie Champion is another one. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know really, you were going to be Well, like, I mean, she's looked at my reel and we've gone like clip for clip looking at all my stuff. And she's like, yeah, why did you do this? Or I like that. Um, and I'm just so grateful for all the people that have just poured into me because they don't have to. And these are some like busy people. <laughs> um, and so, and for them to just be, you know, like a call or text away is amazing. I think it just speaks to like the sisterhood and, and the village that is um, mm-hmm. not just broadcasting, but journalism, Mark Spears, who works for the undefeated. Yeah. Um, he's always looked out, especially, and again, a lot of it was when I got the Bucks job, I think, you know, it's just more of like a, a public role than the one I had before. And so people were like, Hey, like we got you. Um, and wow. I think it's by no mistake that most of these people are people of color, black people. And yep. um, it's just kind of that, like, Hey, like you're in this fold, you're in this space and we want to make sure that, you know, what's up and we want to help you. And so I'm so grateful. And, you know, I, um, I try to do that obviously, you know, on a much different level, but anytime like students reach out to me or, you know, people trying to find their way, like I'm all, you know, I'm an open book, so to speak, because I think all of it is just about spreading, you know, the knowledge and the lessons that we've learned. That's awesome. And Marshall, last question to pay you back off that. <laughs> I'd be remiss to not bring these people up. Um, your parents. Oh my God. You know, legends two of the greatest people ever um your dad is in the top five smoothest <laughs> man of all time um, the picture of me shaking his hand i told you i'm gonna every time it's his birthday or any chance i get to post that i'm posting it um can you just, can you just talk about you know their influence on you and um you know I, I know the sacrifices um parents have to make me being a parent now um, can you just, you know, talk about that and just show them some love? Cause I, I'd be remiss to not bring them up. Right. Oh man. I could go on forever. I mean, just for me, it's, it's the lessons and the things that like, obviously the sacrifices, but just the knowledge that they poured into me from their life experiences that I wouldn't have learned. I mean, you know, the, especially like the environment I grew up in, I mean, Oakton's a little less, you know, diverse than Herndon is, but um, so I would have never gotten those experiences or learned those things if it weren't for my parents, right? Like I grew up going to like Stevie Wonder and Temptations concerts. Okay. Like that's just, and so that's just kind of the, you know, Chuck Brown, Chuck Brown, the environment. You guys need to have my dad on the pod. Nah, for real. If y'all want to do like a, a go-go episode and nah, we, we really do. Uh, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, we do. y'all should y'all should bookmark that. Um, so just uh yeah, being introduced to Gogo, all these things. I mean, my parents are amazing. And then I don't think people realize like that was kind of like his passion. His job was he was a legislative director for a congressman for like decades. And so just in the political world, understanding all of those things, I mean, it really hit me, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks ago when we saw what happened at the Capitol, because like I've been to that building a million times and just to the process that you have to go through to get in that building. Meanwhile, like I'm the daughter of somebody who works there and the process that you have to go through and just for people to have that um, entitlement that you just walk in and destroy it. Just, um, I mean, the situation was crushing, but just on a more personal level, um, just to see the place, like, you know, that's like your dad's office, you know, when you're a little kid and you like go to your dad's mm-hmm. job, like that's where I went, um, was the Capitol. Um, and so, yeah, my parents are amazing, amazing people. And, uh, yeah, you talk about like sacrifices. I used to, I played AAU for Boo Williams. And that's why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. Roads. I mean, yeah. you talk about, we're talking just about practice. That's like two plus hours. Yeah. We would just go down there full weekends 
Um, and they would, you know, hotel, driving, food, all those things um, because their daughter had like this dream and was passionate about something. And they kind of put everything else they had going on on the back burner. And I, you know, now like, and you, you all probably have these moments, like you think back, like sometimes you had a bad game and you were so cranky and rude, you know? Um, and you didn't even think that your parents drove like three plus hours just to be there for you. Um, and after the game, that's kind of like the, the <laughs> attitude you gave them. Right. Um, so, and obviously you can't go back, but, uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful. And it's, it's awesome how the relationship changes like now, like, I mean, yeah. we're not friends, but like the way that we, yeah. we are friends to me, you yeah. know, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I don't know how they would, too. they would, um, you know, I don't know how they would see me saying that, but I just feel like the way we communicate now, it's just so awesome for them to be you know, all the life experiences I'm going through, they've been through and just to pour into me that way and just kind of be like mentors, so to speak. Um, it's dope to have, have that connection or relationship with them. But yeah, you gotta get, you gotta get uh, my dad on the, on the pod for sure. Yeah. We're we going to make that happen. That's my guy <laughs> that right there. That too. Well, for the sake of time, Zora, uh, I have one more question and then we have something special we wanted to do. Um, so, you know, Black History Month starts tomorrow, right? Um, is there any particular figures or a figure that kind of you you look to um, as, as an inspiration when it comes to going after some of your goals and just how you live your life? Yeah, you know, for me and 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 maybe it's I go back to my dad. Like wow. he wow. Um, always stood up for what he believed in. He. Um, was so, he's so crucial in so many different ways. And he's like a clear cut example of like, you can impact change like directly where you are, right? Um, and it can be in extravagant ways or it can be in smaller ways. And so um, in the political space, he's always been that person. In DC, uh, he started and ran like the first ever Malcolm X day. And so it was this big event wow. and it was like a picnic style event, um, festival style event in Washington, D.C. in Anacostia. And he did it for like years and years and years. Um, and that's like, I mean, just, you know, those are to me, it's just like you, you have your life, but just affecting change in different ways. Even now he's retired and he's on all every day. He's on all these Zoom calls because he's on the boards for things or trying to move things forward, even with the work he does with Go Go Music. To me, that's like. Um, enhancing exposure, right, for the music of Washington, D.C. Um, he wrote a book on go-go music. Um, and just for me, just all the ways that he um, supports our people and, and works to make sure that our lives are better. And it's not for his life, right? It's for our lives and our kids' lives and, and moving forward. And he's so passionate about it. Um, and he's really taught me how you balance that, too how you balance like activism and family and professional and then your own personal life and family. Um, so I, I look up to my dad in so many ways, um, specifically when it comes to yeah, black history, he's literally like an encyclopedia. So if anything happens, like I call him and I just want to know like, Hey, what are you thinking about this before I even like go to the news or go to anybody else. I just want to know what he thinks on it. Cause it just gives me my foundation on maybe what's really happening. So, right. Yeah. And that, that is, that's so powerful. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say their parent, you know, they usually go with MLKs and, and the other folks that are more well known. Right. 
Um, but it is clear that, um, you know, he's him and him and, you know, your mom had such a great influence on you. And our last episode was called be the change, right? That's, that's literally what we talked about. Um, you know, how no matter who's elected, we all have a responsibility to be the change. And it looks like that's how he he's lived his life. So yeah, Austin, look, man, we got to get him on, man. So, oh yeah, nah, nah, for sure, man. I'm I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be hyped for that one. Yeah. That's that's my guy right there. We gotta get him on. Make sure you send him this episode, Z. Oh, I I, I will, and he'll listen to the entire thing. So love it. Definitely send it to him. Love that. All right, so um, Austin, I don't know if you want to tee, tee it up, but I do. Uh, have what you wanted to to go through. Yeah. Uh, so. so, see, you gotta get you gotta get Kev, man. All Where's right. he at? It's I, got, I got two things for him. <laughs> you want me to pull it up now, Austin, just to have it on the screen or, or wait? Uh, not yet. Hold on. I got to ask him a question. Okay. He's coming. He's <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> Here we go. There he is. There he is. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, so, so real quick, Kev. See the shirt? You see that, right? What does that say? You know what it says. Austin has too much pride. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that says. So if you came in high school, high school Kev, if you came to the nest, I know you know what the nest is. How many points are you scoring? Well, let me, let me start by saying you described the nest <laughs> as like the place with the most energy on the planet. <laughs> I'm giving, you I mean, I'm giving you 50. That's it. You're giving me, <laughs> you're giving me specifically 50. Well, I know you now, so it would be all to you. But yeah. <laughs> respect. Respect. Nah, we uh that would have been a battle if we if we had that occur. But um no, nah, Marshall, can you can you bring it up? I wanted to um Oh my god. Bring this up for you guys, man. I had a got a question from Hold on, hold on one second. Let me make sure everything is uh is spread away. Hold on. Okay. Let me just make sure. But yeah, I had had a question from uh myself and Ryder that you know we we wanted to ask you guys. So apologize for his uh What did you make him say? For his cut, man. He uh literally like just got out of bed. Can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm I'm ready when you are, Austin. Yep, you can play it. Can you say hi? Say hi. Hi. Hey, <laughs> hey, Uncle Uncle Kev and Auntie Z. Um, first of all, we appreciate uh, the support you guys have had for uh, myself and and Ryder um, over almost a year and a half. Um, but we wanted to formally ask you guys um, if you would like to be his godparents. So this video is uh, asking for Aunt Z and Uncle Kev um, to be Ryder's godparents. We love you guys, and uh, we'll talk soon. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... There it is. The ZK. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That, wait, just the high made my day though. I've already right. told Austin anytime I see Ryder, just make sure. Hey, absolutely, man. We'd we be honored. Oh, 
We love, we love That's you guys. That's big. We love you. We, we, uh, we appreciate that, man. Um, and you guys have been, uh, you know, with me during this journey, you know, all the way through Kev, you know, you, you came from the drop of a dime, man. I'm, I'm about to get emotional. Um, but yeah, man, we, we wanted to, to ask you that and, um, you know, show our love and we, we appreciate you guys. So, um, there it is, man. I think that's the, the good way to end it, man. So, um, we love you guys and, and Z appreciate you, you doing this. And Big uh, time. Kev, Kev, we'll, uh, we'll check up soon, man. Absolutely. <laughs> send us that video. Yes, of course. Of course. Wow. Yeah, um, we love you guys back. Wow. Awesome. And real quick, let's uh let's get a pick a picture real quick. Um so we so we can post. Um on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Got it. Oh wow. Appreciate it. Cool, man. Well, episode 30. 30. Uh, Steph Curry episode. Yeah, man. Steph, <laughs> Steph Curry app. Um, I got one question for you guys, though. What's up? What's the question? <laughs> it's been an hour and a half. Did you guys introduce yourselves? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. Yo, we actually didn't. We actually didn't. <laughs> we did not, man. Yo. See, one, one thing about Kev, man, this dude... This dude does not miss a beat, dog. He doesn't miss anything. He really does not miss a beat. He's been checking me since the day I freaking walked into Elon's campus and he was asleep. He's been checking me. <laughs> this dude, this dude doesn't miss a beat, man. I can see Kevin just be like, yo, you brush your teeth this morning? <laughs> <laughs> For real, man. You wash you wash you wash your eyes, man. You wash your eyes out, man. You get the eyes, <laughs> eye boogers out. Like you, you gotta be, you gotta be sharp when you're around Kev. Um you need a friend like that, man. <laughs> you really, you do, you do. But, but yeah, right. we, did, we definitely didn't. We'll, we'll end it. We'll end it with our introduction. <laughs> so, co-host Marshall Hamilton, Austin Hamilton here, and uh, yeah, man, clocking the podcast episode thirty. Uh, we appreciate you guys as always, and uh, we'll we'll see y'all soon. We put it work and here's the proof. What you want? I'm making moves, punching in. I'm on it too. I'm in the gym. I'm in the stew. It's hunting season. Where's the food? We push each other daily. Level up. Cause that's what brothers do. Clock in.